Welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. In this episode, we're talking about ESG and where it fits into shareholder activism. I'm joined by Claudia de Moulamista, a reporter for Activist Monitor. Hi, Claudia. Hi, Juliana. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So to begin with, can you give us an idea of how ESG fits into the corporate agenda and how that's changed in recent years? Sure. Perhaps to start with, we can give a short definition of what ESG is about. So those are environmental, social and governance factors that are relevant to a business operational model and overall strategy. So whereas perhaps until a few years ago, ESG factors were a nice to have for corporate boards, um, I would say that today they have become actual drivers of business performance. So that's the main development that we are seeing um, happening. These ESG factors can go from climate change adaptation to gender equality to remuneration. So they can be quite broad um, but definitely something that investors and corporates are like are looking at these days. And there have been a number of ESG focused activist hedge funds launched. Can you tell us a bit more about those and, and what impact they're currently having? It's interesting to see how activist hedge funds have entered this space. So one prominent example is Inclusive Capital Partners, which was founded by Jeff Ubin. Jeff Ubin launched actually a Value Act, an American activist hedge fund, a while back, but has decided to break away from that and start its own ESG activist hedge fund. So that will be definitely one to follow up closely. Another new player, uh, brand new, is Clearway Capital. Um, that is a fund that uh, was created by a former portfolio manager at shareholder value management, Gianluca Ferrari. So he's just in the process of, of setting it up. So that will be a very interesting case to look forward to as well. Can we talk about the British billionaire Chris Hon, the founder of the Children's Investment Fund? He's really active in this space as well, isn't he? What's he up to? Yes, Chris Hun is probably the most clear example of how ESG has been used within activist hedge funds. Um, this year in particular, he has launched a climate resolution at all his investee companies, basically forcing all corporates to prove how they're being impacted by climate change, disclosing proper greenhouse gas emissions. So that's a main topic that has definitely gained attention. Uh, he's also famously one of the major donors to Extinction Rebellion. So he's been very, very active in this space. Um, it remains, however, to be seen how institutional investors and let's say more pure, responsible investors are reacting to this rise of ESG hedge fund activism. So one of the examples we're looking at now, for example, is Danone, the French consumer company, who has uh, received quite some criticism and has been forced to divide the roles of CEO and chairman. This was pushed by a number of activist hedge funds in the stock, but this was actually a long-lasting demand from responsible investors and ESG pure play investors in the stock. So 
it's interesting how they might have the same eventual outcome, namely the splitting of these roles, but it remains to be seen whether the activist hedge funds have more than just that as a demand. So we might see more demands coming forward from these players and we'll see how the institutional investors will react to that. And on climate change, what are the new climate-related reporting measures that companies will have to include in their accounts from this year? Yes, so it's really interesting to see how governments are forcing companies to really properly disclose their climate change adaptation strategies. So one major element is the Task Force on Climate-Related Disclosure, which is a coherent system to disclose the risks and opportunities related to climate change. Um, So that will help corporates to properly present publicly how their business will be resilient and viable if temperatures rise, let's say, about above two degrees Celsius pre-industrial levels. So those are very specific climate change scenarios where companies need to disclose how their businesses will be viable or not in those kinds of environments. So that's one way in which the government is pushing public companies to disclose these risks and opportunities. So there's a big focus on climate change and corporate governance. What else are we seeing alongside those in the ESG space? What other issues are, are, are being raised? Yeah, so I would say that ESG has definitely gained momentum during the pandemic, just because everybody is sitting at home and there is way more scrutiny on how work will develop going forward. So on the E, we've discussed climate change. On the G... There is quite a large consensus that there will be more scrutiny on directors' fiduciary duties on the board. So it will be likely that we will see more campaigns targeting directors in terms of remuneration committees, specific committees that address social and and governance factors. So that will be one to watch out on. On S, that is perhaps the one that has gained most momentum. So in that discussion, there is also the shareholder and stakeholder model. So basically, for a number of years now, and the business roundtable in the US has also contributed to that, there is a feeling that companies' purpose should not only be focusing on shareholder returns, but should also include the wider stakeholder community. And ESG is really a central theme to that. So that could mean that companies going forward could disclose a statement of corporate purpose. Um, They will have to work on diversity in the workforce, but also across the office. So especially now that working from home will become the new normal, um, there might be less business travel just because it can be done over video call. Luckily, and a quite successful attempt has been made to have more women on the board. Uh, There will be more discussions around pay, ethnic diversity on the board, but also the skill set of the board itself. So members might be joining boards with a more diverse background than before, especially thinking about all the developments happening in data-driven solution and artificial intelligence. And where does ESG fit into M&A? Is it becoming one of the main drivers in deal-making? I'm not sure about the main drivers, but it's definitely, it has the potential to become one of the main drivers. Predominantly, ESG and M&A is seen in due diligence packages. 
which focus on elements that also go beyond climate. As you might have noticed, governments have made bold statements about decarbonization of the economy. Um, so that will definitely require ESG investment. So it could become a driver for M&A, especially in those sectors like commodities, where there might be a lot of value opportunities. Some sources spoken to us might also see ESG metrics becoming an equivalent of credit ratings within M&A deals. So definitely loads to come. I'd also like to stress that because everybody has been working from home, a lot of M&A deals from the past year have also been happening from home and online. So that might be a trend going forward as well, where especially smaller and medium sized deal might just be happening over a video call instead of over over flying continents and a number of in-person meetings. So that's one of the main factors I'd see also appearing going forward. Looking ahead to the AGM season, which is nearly upon us, will we see more scrutiny on ESG during what I'm guessing will be mainly remote rather than in-person meetings this year? Yes, definitely. So the AGM season will be particularly interesting because now hybrid and online AGMs have become the norm. Uh, they will likely also continue to exist once the, the world has turned back to normal. Uh, there are some concerns around how investor voices might be equally heard in hybrid and virtual AGMs. But the kind of feedback we're hearing is that if investors were perhaps a bit more lenient last year so that companies could primarily focus on survival and on the immediate crisis of the pandemic, this year we expect a lot more shareholder resolutions and potential opposition to remuneration plans. So I'd say the main topics to look out for will be CEO compensation, climate-related disclosure, and any social topics that might be relevant to particular businesses. So those will be the main drivers of conversation in the going AGM season. Great. Claudia, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That was Claudia de Moulumista speaking to me, Juliana Needham. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SSNC Intralinks. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.